What's up with this love and light shit? Yeah, it's kind of like, what do those words even mean without the embodiment? Right, when people say love and light, I'm sort of like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm Kayla Nelson, a holistic coach in both wellness and business, and a healer and educator of Lyme disease. I'm Jessica Jean Muir. I'm a personal empowerment guide through my work as a yoga teacher, trauma-informed body worker, and group facilitator. You're listening to Love, Light, and Go Fuck Yourself, the podcast. All right, we're recording. Welcome. Welcome to our little love light and go fuck yourself fest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know why it's a fest right now. But... <laughs> yeah, so sitting here uh, with Jessica Jean and Taylor Kayla. Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> and um, today we wanted to talk about sobriety. Whew. Yeah, the big topic of sobriety <sighs> alcohol. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's really appropriate, too, that we're talking about this right now, Mm -hmm. because um, Kayla and I went dancing a couple of nights ago, and we showed up to the club at midnight, (laughs) Yep. which, I mean, if you know us, you know how ridiculous that is. (laughs) For those of you who have not met us, let's just say, like, that's not something that's in our normal repertoire these days. No. Um, And we danced our asses off, and we left all, like, sweaty and completely sober. Yes. We arrived and left completely sober. Yep. So it is possible for those of you who hear the word sobriety and think to yourself, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have a drinking problem, so this doesn't uh, matter to me, or this isn't something that I need to to listen to or consider. And I'm just letting you know that if you're interested at all in arriving and leaving to a place sober, waking up the next morning, hangover free, Mm -hmm. um, and enjoying a deeper sense of connection in your life, then this is definitely something for you too. Yeah, and it can be done. And it is awkward to begin with. Yeah. Always, still, you know? I think I've been, I'll say, I'm not 100% sober. I maybe have three drinks a year, so I can't say, you know, I'm like 100% alcohol-free, but I don't drink very often, and it's very rare and very minimal if I do. Um, But, you know, being on the dance floor for the first, what, 15 minutes or so? Always fucking weird and uncomfortable. At least it is for me. And it took a little bit of time to, like, get settled in and feel okay in my body and in the space and orient to other people being intoxicated and drunk around you, you know? Um, And it really helped, at least for me, like, having Jessica there because she was, like, my ally, my buddy. Like, I knew she was sober. We're vibing on the same page and could be like, okay, like, we're just going to do this thing, you know? So I felt like I had community there and support to help me through those uncomfortable moments. But, yeah, and, and... 
you know, moving into this conversation of sobriety and alcohol, um, you know, Jess and I both have very different stories around alcohol. Totally. And sobriety. And so we want to share those and talk about the intricacies and the nuances that is sobriety because there are a lot and for me it feels like a really sticky conversation and a hard one and you know talking with Jess it's helped to for me to see things in a different way and so we wanted to bridge that gap and bring that conversation forward and share so yes yeah do you want to share about you? Yeah, totally. Okay, all right. Yeah, so um, one thing that was interesting to me, just to kind of lead into this conversation also, um, is Kayla was mentioning that she never considered herself an alcoholic, although Mm she is now choosing not to interact with alcohol in the same way that she used to. Um, And I was kind of realizing and saying that I think that it's been a little bit easier for me because I do identify as an alcoholic. And so for me, it's an extremely black and white matter. It's like, I just can't fucks with alcohol. It's just not an option for me. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, it's kind of made things a little bit easier in a way and a little more um, clear. So I started drinking when I was, I started pretty late. I was kind of like one of those kids in, in high school that thought the kids that were drinking were, like, bad. And I was a little bit of, like, a straight-edge kid, which is kind of funny because I am again now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had my first drink at this party um, in high school. I think I was, like, 15, 16. And I had two beers and... Um, got eaten out on the bathroom floor by this older guy who I had Mm. the biggest crush on. Mm. So immediately Mm. I had this now association of alcohol gets me the things that I want. Alcohol makes me desirable. Alcohol means connection. All of these things started immediately on that night I see now to get cemented into my little baby subconscious and I wish I could go and give that girl a little talking to but (laughs) (laughs) um so that was the first time and I I vividly remember to this day having those first drinks and getting that buzz and thinking to myself holy shit this is what I've been waiting for Mm. like this is what I've been looking for I just suddenly felt expansive and all my worries floated away and I really cared about being an extrovert that was really like important in my family of origin um in my friend group I was always an actress growing up so like there was a lot of pressure to be just as big as possible all the time and I felt like alcohol really allowed me to do that too to push past my normal rhythms and boundaries and just be big and expansive 24 7 Um, 
And so then things kind of spiraled from there, you know, around that age, people are experimenting. So there was never a shortage of people to drink with me. And at this time, I didn't really think that I had or realize that I had a problem yet, um, you know, for that reason, because if everybody around you is doing something Mm -hmm. at the same pace that you are, it's really difficult to distinguish like, wait, is this working for me though? Mm -hmm. Which we'll touch on later with people who have more quote unquote normal drinking patterns. Cause I think that that's something that happens too, is like Mm -hmm. you start to compare yourself with your peers. And if everyone around you is doing that, you don't look that different. Um, until you do. Yeah. (laughs) So that carried on. I remember though, I was always kind of the girl at the party that would get too wasted. Like Mm -hmm. I would be the one throwing up in the beginning. And then Mm -hmm. as my tolerance built, I wouldn't be, I'd be the one blacking out and doing really bizarre, um, horrible things that I won't necessarily name. Mm -hmm. Um, And that carried on into college where the stakes got even higher and suddenly I found myself in super dangerous um, positions, evaded sexual abuse, rape several times because by the grace of God, um, but just ended up in actual danger of my life Mm -hmm. many times. And at the time it was normal. Like I had learned to live in this reality and I had absolutely no Mm self-worth that I lived in danger and fear and dysfunction on a daily fucking basis Mm. um, with the use of the substance. Um, And, you know, it was really also, I think, easy for me to turn a blind eye for a long time because, you know, I'm like a pretty young girl. I did bottle service for many years, so I kind of made partying my livelihood. Um, Mm. You know, all my friends were into going out, of course, because no one would want to hang out with me that wasn't because that was like my MO. Mm. Um, And then finally, I don't know now, let's see, like three and a half years ago, I finally got a DUI where I... Um, was super freaking wasted and I crashed into three parked cars, um, got arrested. To this day, I have a breathalyzer in my fucking car, um, like suffered a consequence finally that I wouldn't be able to get out of, um, the same way that I could things before that. Wow. Um, so, however, a week prior to getting that DUI, I remember being on the bathroom floor, drunk as I was most days and nights, and I remember hysterically crying and looking up through this, like, skylight that we had, and just my my boyfriend at the time was also wasted and passed out in our bedroom. And I was on the bathroom floor crying, like begging out loud, I need help, please help me. Like I knew that something was wrong at this point. I knew that I was in over my head. I knew that I was, and you know, I had a couple people come to me and express concern, but I learned Mm -hmm. to like push them out pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, a week after that, now I see prayer, really. I was like praying in that moment for help. Mm-hmm. I got the fucking answer that I needed and got into this accident. And from that point on, my life has completely changed. I became committed to sobriety, which to me means 
committed to being with myself Mm. 24-7 unconditionally and giving myself love and committed Mm. to my own personal healing. Um, And then that also has now, you know, spun off to to healing others. It's really like sobriety has given me my whole life, truly. Um, And there's, of course, lots of other details in there and horror stories and all of these things. But for the purpose of this conversation, I think um, what's important is just that, um, yeah, like I had a problem. And so it's this black and white thing of I can't drink and mm-hmm. making that decision and also having my hand pushed a little to get sober has given me the most beautiful, amazing life that if all of those horrible things hadn't happened, I don't know where I would be today. Truthfully, I don't know that I'd be alive, really. Wow. So it was a life and death, literally, situation for me to give up alcohol. Wow. Now, though, let's bounce that back to you because I yeah. know that you have a really different, like, story with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up... Um very introverted and also with some family trauma um, where I had a lot of shame and um, yeah a lot of shame and I wasn't able to process it and I lived in a community that was a very small town and I never really felt like I belonged there and so I just always really felt out of place and um, didn't know how to be myself and had this, you know, family trauma also that I was hiding from and a family that I didn't really connect with. So there was all this internal turmoil happening. And I, you know, too, same with you, starting drinking. I, you know, grew up very in a very conservative Midwestern town where alcohol and any wrongdoing was like sin, you know? And so I saw alcohol as not something that you do for many years. And I think I started drinking when I was 16, maybe 17 years old. Um, And I started to notice that I became more alive You know, I felt that I became more alive. I felt like I was connecting with people, connecting with boys, able to um, be funny and outgoing and dance and be wild and charismatic and all of these things through alcohol. And so I carried through with that. And then um, coinciding that with college, I, you know, I'm a very... I love people. I love learning from people and socializing with people. And although I am an introvert, I'm still very curious about the human humanity. And so college, like I could give two fucks about school because I (laughs) hated the constructs of of learning in that capacity. It's like, no, this isn't like real time. I want to be in it. I want to be in an immersive experience. So I partied my ass off all the way through college. And I also worked in a restaurant, so, you know, I was drinking easily six days a week, if not seven, and drunk at every time that I was drinking. 
for the most part. And I won't say that I blacked out every night. That's not true. But I was definitely drunk. Um, I didn't wake up in the morning and start drinking alcohol. I didn't drink alcohol throughout the day. It was always a nighttime thing, going out with friends or after work. And so that just evolved. You know, I stayed in the restaurant industry for 17 years almost. And I... Yeah, I, and I never I never allowed myself to see who I really was. And I was always getting validated for being funny and outgoing and wild and just like adventurous and curious, which I am by nature, but I use alcohol to ignite that yeah. um, and bring it to the forefront instead of it being allowed to come through as a sober person. And... Um, so my sobriety really began in a way that um, was very different. I uh, got really ill, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And something innately was like, you can't drink, you know? And I also took a step back a little bit from my job in the restaurant world and all of this. And while I was figuring out what was going on with me health-wise, um, and quite frankly, I was really sick. And so I there was no room for alcohol. And so, yeah, I stopped drinking, um, let's see, that would have been in probably like 2014. Um, and it's, yeah. And through, through illness, I, I found out that I had Lyme disease and co-infections. And so my body was under attack by this pathogen Mm. and I was starting hardcore, drugs for you know healing this thing and I knew um that I needed to give my body the best chance that it you know had to fight things and alcohol was going to disrupt that and so for me um yeah it was a full-on life complete destruction not only did I lose my friend circle from illness and lose my capabilities of working and relating to the exterior world Um, I, uh, through this illness, I also lost the other connective piece that I used to connect with people, which was alcohol. Yeah. And I lost my identity around anything that I fucking knew. Like alcohol was my conduit for, to reach the outside world because I was sitting in so much darkness, so much trauma, so much pain that was repressed inside of me. Um, no self-worth, like very little self-worth, very little identity of who I actually was or had the confidence, I should say, in expressing who it is, who, who I was. Yeah. And alcohol was my way to do that. Yeah. And when that got taken away, along with like my life kind of getting taken away through illness, it was a fucking jarring experience. Totally. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. I kind of got off a little bit there, but talking about sobriety and, and being an alcoholic versus not being an alcoholic. And you're right. It is this like really black and white world. It's either you're not an alcoholic, you don't have a problem or you are, and you have a total problem and you can't touch alcohol. 
But for me, it was very much in this middle world of I definitely abused alcohol. I used it to a way to connect to my own feelings, to connect to others, to experience the world through. It was my lens. It was literally the glasses that I put on to see the world through and not see my own self. And, um, yeah, but it's been hard to, to know what to say about my sobriety, I guess, you know? And, and I don't, um, I don't, I don't drink on a regular basis. I maybe have one drink, like every three or four months, maybe. Sometimes I have maybe two glasses of wine, but I recognize that when I do that, I actually lose the connection to myself that I have now. I don't like the way that I feel. And even as uncomfortable as it is to go out dancing, (laughs) you know, like I, and, and that was a thing for me, like I, and I still, I have a lot of things around moving my body in a dancing way, in a sexual provocative way, which we can talk about that at a different time. Um, And where alcohol helped me feel sexy in my body and be able to move and express in a a sexy way. And now that I don't have that guise, it's hard, you know, and going out dancing, it's hard, but it's also way more liberating now (laughs) once you get over that hump, you know? So, yeah, well, I think... For me, before, Mm -hmm. when I started to realize that there was a problem, but before, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I was forced to examine everything, I remember being so afraid of the thought of getting sober because I just thought that I would never socialize with another human being again. Yeah. And... I think that's one of the number one things that I hear now because mm-hmm. everybody who knows me now knows that I'm sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the time people come to me and will discuss their own kind of feelings around their relationship with, with alcohol. And mm-hmm. 95% of people say, I just don't know like what I would do. How would I connect? Like, what do you do on Friday night? And mm-hmm. I so get that and so remember feeling like my ability to be comfortable and spontaneous and wild like you said Mm -hmm. depended on ingesting this substance Mm -hmm. um and I think that the reason why I'm so compelled to share about this topic right now is that Mm -hmm. in our society as it stands right now, we've all kind of just agreed that all these other mind-altering substances are bad and evil and they're for drug addicts and people really on the fringe. But this substance here, alcohol, um, is the thing that's socially acceptable, not only socially acceptable, but socially uh, positive mm-hmm. or expected yeah. um, to consume together in order to, you know, connect, in order to celebrate, in order to grieve, in order to yes. all Feel. of the things. Yeah. All of, in order to have sex, which we'll yes. touch on. Yes. All of the fucking things we've... We've just kind of collectively agreed that it's okay. I was saying to Kayla, like, it 
fascinates the fuck out of me that we've all just collectively agrees, agreed as a society that it's normal to be hungover, yeah. that it's normal to, to be sick and not functional two or three or four or five or I don't know, however many days out of the fucking week. And we laugh at it and we say hair of the dog. Right. There's nobody ringing a fucking alarm bell, really. I mean, there's a few, you know, but generally yeah. Yeah. ringing the alarm bell being like, uh, you guys, this is a dysfunctional fucking situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that brought such light to to this when Jess was sharing that like I really didn't realize that you know and I yeah there's this big gap between being an alcoholic and abusing alcohol yeah and being an alcoholic is the only thing that's recognized as like you gotta work on you it. gotta work <laughs> on it but abusing alcohol is normal yep. in our society here in the United States. I don't know about other countries, but in the United States, it's normal. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's like accepted. And shoot, I remember when I first was starting to date again and thinking about going on a date and sharing that I don't drink was literally kept me from dating actually yes. Yes. I would not go on dates because I didn't want to have that uncomfortable conversation yep. and I've actually had a guy on a date this is a funny thing um <laughs> you know I told him that I didn't drink and he was kind of like all weird and um you know I was like well like every you know very rarely I'll have like a little sip or something he's like oh I thought it was like an all or nothing thing um. and I was like oh I'm not an alcoholic you know, I actually, like, I'm healing from the Lyme disease yeah. and, you know, alcohol just isn't for me anymore. I prefer sobriety and all of that. And he was like, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say you're an alcoholic. Like, he was, like, Oof. damning it. And I was like, damn. Like, well, that's not your guy. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but still, like, that's the way that people view alcoholism. Yeah. And... I think that for, like, for me, that's another reason why I share so openly about my struggles with addiction and alcohol Mm -hmm. is because I really am committed to destigmatizing most things, Mm -hmm. but specifically in this conversation, destigmatizing what people who are addicted look like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not a grungy, unhealthy homeless person on the side of the road like we see alcoholics depicted in movies and stuff like Mm -hmm. I'm a white attractive middle class woman you know Mm -hmm. young woman Mm -hmm. who is an alcoholic yeah um and so I think that that's something that has helped me to push past my own fear about mm-hmm. people's judgments mm-hmm. um, about me uh, identifying with that title yeah. is trying to normalize the um, examining of relationship with alcohol. And mm-hmm. I think this is a perfect time to kind of talk about things that we've notice now being sober that we might have been missing out on actually when we were drinking and masking these different things like things that we kind of notice Mm -hmm. um that we didn't know that we were masking or covering up then yeah absolutely I think for me um 
any kind of vulnerability, yeah. honestly. Like the whole the whole bubble of vulnerability I was lacking in in sharing that. The only time that I ever did open up was when I was drunk um, or drinking. Um, and yeah, lacking in sharing my humor, like the thoughts that go through my brain that are fucking weird and <laughs> hilarious and awkward and whatever. Like I just fucking kept that shit to myself because I was, a, yeah, I guess like to, to let my like inner like weirdo fly, yes. you know, like I'm not going to say my freak flag because I don't, I don't totally think that I'm a, like, I don't. Yeah, I can't name myself a total freak, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But, like, my weirdo flag, like, I repressed all of the fucking things that I do that I love about myself now. You know, my spirituality, my the way that I want to connect with people that is deep. You know, like, I guess that's one of them, too, is, like, in friendships and people that I connect with, like, I'm a fucking deep person. Like, I like to get in it. And that's the way that I feel the most held and safe in my friendships and the most seen and to get to see them and supportive in this world, you know? It's like all that surface level bullshit just goes away and I fucking despise that surface level. Uh, Despise is a strong word, but, you know, it's not my MO. It's It's not the place that I like to be in. Um, and I think it's really all things connection, you know, connection with myself and connection with others and then inside the bedroom, you know, that was the one I was going to say. Yeah. Sex. Sex. Holy shit. Okay. Oh my God. I just need to say. (laughs) We just fucking high five over that. (laughs) I just need to say. Yeah. That what I view as sex now. Oh yeah. And what I've. Thought I was having as sex then (laughs) are two completely different worlds. Definitely. Could you even feel your vagina? No, fuck no. What is happening? I don't know, and I don't think I ever really had an. I mean, an orgasm. Honestly, maybe I did, but I don't really remember it. It's not the full body orgasmic experiences I have now. Yep. You know? Yeah. So maybe can you talk about, like, what was your experience like? Your thoughts. Give us, yeah. like, your thought process around, okay, I'm, I want to have a sexual experience with this person tonight. Yeah. What did that yeah. look like back okay. then and feel like back then? All right. I'll drinking? be real honest. Please. I'll be real honest. So <laughs> when I first got back into the dating world, like, wanting to do that, this is going to sound really shitty, but this is how I went about it, is I I saw it as an experiment. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this as an experiment because I didn't know how to show up in the world as being a person healing from Lyme disease, which if anyone's listening, you know that there's a lot of shame around having Lyme disease, which is fucked up and totally different subject, but there's a lot of shame around that. Um, a lot of shame around being sober. So I didn't, and I also was isolated for like three plus years inside of my illness. So I rarely talked to anyone. So I took dating as an experiment to go out to see what it was like to talk to someone. And, um, and so I went on this first date with this guy and, uh, 
uh, yeah, we connected, and we didn't have sex right away or anything like that, but a few weeks later, we did. And I remember it was a totally surreal experience where I was like, holy fuck. I just... this, This is the first time that I had ever had sex sober with a person outside of a committed relationship with the lights on. Woo! You know? Yeah. Holy fuck. I I mean, talk about, like, wanting to vomit on yourself. Like, it was such a vulnerable experience. And it was also liberating in some ways but it took me a while to integrate that liberation honestly because it was full of insecurities and self-doubts and all of that I'm not going to say that I was like liberated from day one but yeah and it still is a profound moment in my in my life that that happened and thinking back I'm like holy shit like I've maybe before that moment before I got sober all of that. I think I had maybe had sober sex less than 5% of my sexual experiences. Yep. And with the lights on, nope. Yep. Didn't happen. Yep. You know? Yeah. How about for you? Yeah. Whew! <laughs> yeah. So, sex has always been something that I am really drawn to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all are and we just cover it up, but I was always very comfortable in performative sexuality. Mm-hmm. I really got a lot of like juice from my sexual power. Like from a very mm-hmm. young age, I was able to recognize like oh, people respond to me when I'm using and leveraging my sexuality. Mm. Um, people like me more. They, they want to be around me. Boys chase me. Girls chase me. Like, I realized it as this, like, power thing. Mm. And so for me, for the longest time, alcohol and sex went hand in fucking hand mm. because... Yeah, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know even what my needs and desires actually were. I just kind of, like, you know, knew what the motions of sex were supposed to look and feel like. Yeah. And so I could, like, you know, kind of fumble my way drunkenly through that. Um, And I just remember the biggest thing at that time being the short and fake kind of rush that artificial rush that you get from, like, a drunken sexual encounter. Yeah. And how fucking exciting that would be in the moment, but then how nauseating, or if it wasn't nauseating, just simply unsatisfying it was the next day, and you still Mm -hmm. gotta, like, jerk yourself off because nothing happened the night before. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Just totally, like, I felt like I was... Basically just having sex with myself for a really long time because all of the sex I was having with other people Mm -hmm. wasn't actually sex as I define it now. Totally. So I went through a lot of my life like this and yeah, like I had tons of like long-term committed relationships with other people that also were really heavily into alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a lot of drunken sex, but I had some, yeah, some, you know, some sober morning sex, you know... Um, without alcohol and things like that, but with people that I was already intimately connected to and close to, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then, yeah, so around the time that I got sober, like less than a year in, the partner that I was living with um, broke up with me. Mm. And so here I was, newly sober, less than a fucking year, newly single, because I actually... Um, had never been single. I was always kind of one of those people that right before a relationship was going to end, I would kind of somehow find myself romantically enmeshed with someone new. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that relation, it was like this weird overlapping thing constantly. Yeah. So this was also, believe it or not, the first time that I had really like been broken up with. Mm-hmm. I had always been the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm newly sober Um, I'm newly single and I had no fucking clue what to do with myself. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to be celibate for the rest of my life (laughs) and this is the end. And yeah. And I actually had sober sex for the first time with a really good friend of mine who recently Mm. passed away, which Mm. made it all that more profound, but that's Mm. another topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had sober sex and my same experience as you. Mm -hmm. My mind was fucking blown. I had had, you know, at this point, a little bit of practice just being in my body sober because that was even new for me Mm -hmm. because I, you know, spent seven days a week basically anesthetized for since I was 15 mm-hmm. you know so whatever however many years that is um so you know I had had like eight months practice of actually now being in my body for the first time in my life really since I was a kid so um having sex then and sharing that experience with someone else was yeah fucking trippy and set me on this path then of like experiencing and craving and mm-hmm. and desiring authentic mm-hmm. connection totally. which now I know you share this sentiment yep. yes. is something that is like number one or two priority of like what yep. I want from my life for sure same I mean that is literally that experience brought me to tantra Mm -hmm. into the neo tantra which is like sexual tantra right and now I I now I look more into the old school the scripts of tantra and the connection with self not so much the sex forward yeah but yes it has deepened also my connection um with myself and it's a beautiful thing and yeah now I you know I'm expressing myself as more sex positive than I ever have in my life, you know? And I love sex. I love talking about it. I love exploring it. And, yeah, it's it's a whole new world. And, And now I don't want to engage in those activities under any kind of you know, influence. And that might be just my rigidity because I am sort of that way. You know, like I I definitely do have some rigid components to my personality and I can be all or nothing. Um, But yeah, as far as like connecting with people, especially in a sexual way, sober sex is like (laughs) legit and it is amazing. And I've never felt more alive and liberated um, in that way that I do now. Totally. You and know? I, I think the thing that fascinates me the, the most about studying and learning about and having sex mm-hmm. is 
to me, it's a really beautiful way to look at the energies that are happening within your own life Mm -hmm. in the bedroom and then outside. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, they're almost this, like, mirror of each other. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to practice having, like, sober sex and connecting with yourself, with the other, this, like, tantric experience that you're talking about... Mm It, like, translates again then, like, to everything in your whole life. Yes. So, the same way that now I prefer to connect sexually without a veil of alcohol over Mm -hmm. me and actually feel my body. And, yeah, there's awkward fucking moments. Yes. And, yeah, like, it can feel uncomfortable and vulnerable and you gotta work through it. But, the, the, the... Um, experience of it is so much more fulfilling and for me now the same thing goes with um you know connecting with friends right. and going out dancing totally like I can actually feel my body yeah and I can laugh with my friend and totally. I can leave all like giddy with freaking serotonin pumping <laughs> and, yes. and wake up the next day I was telling Kayla when I just got here like yeah, I woke up and I was not fucking hungover and I went to work and I did my thing and yeah, totally rad. Yeah. Um, and also like uh, the people now that I keep close to me in my life mm-hmm. are of such a high quality yeah. because they're the people that can also meet me where I want to be met, yeah. connect in the ways that I want to connect. They also yeah. prioritize and value authenticity totally. and and going through the hard shit yeah. and real deep connection, which yes. I mean, and maybe this is my rigidity too, because, you know, although for me, like I have a problem, I recognize that tons of people don't. Um, and so, yeah, like occasionally is it nice to quote unquote, take the edge off? And if it's like safe for you and available, I don't know. Like, Personally, I don't think so because I I just now have seen through the veil of all of that. Yeah. But um but yeah, I just I I can't I can't find the the value in numbing out. Yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge and so beautiful and that's like the that's the piece of becoming sober that I found too is that there's no value anymore in numbing out like even as painful as vulnerability is and showing up as your true self is I would rather take that over the numbing out and the hiding that I did for years and years and years with alcohol yeah and um yeah it's quite an experience and I remember too you know thinking like what am I gonna do with my time who am I? Like, who am I without alcohol? Who am I without going out to the bars and the clubs and eating and drinking my life across the city and, you know, all of those things? Like, who the fuck am I? I really had to, and I know you have too, like, really had to dive into, find out who I am. (laughs) And I tell you what, like, my life is really full now. Yes! Oh my god, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, full of things that I really, really know that I love doing and are really diverse and across all different kinds of planes. And I'm so thankful that I found that now outside of alcohol because before I just, I drank. 
in my evenings, you know? And then during the day, I recovered from my drinking. And, yeah, I would do some trail running, and there are some things that I would do, but alcohol was, like, the center of what my day revolved around either feeling better from or going to go do yeah you know and now that's not there and it's freed up so much more time so much time and energy yeah yeah I think the biggest way that I would sum my experience with sobriety up is that I thought that my world would shrink and get smaller but it fucking blew up totally I look back at my life now and I Mm -hmm. think how fucking boring was that? I spent so much of my time sitting in a dark room Mm -hmm. with other anesthetized people, like, doing nothing. Nowadays, like, I'm such in a place with my sobriety that, like, I can go to clubs, I can go to Mm -hmm. bars. It's not, like, a triggering experience for me. Yeah. It's more so that it's fucking boring. Yeah. I can maybe sit there for 30 minutes in a bar, you know? Like, in a club, I can dance all night. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. But... I'm I like the reason I'm not trying to go into a bar is because it's fucking boring, you guys. Yeah, totally. Like my life is so full of weird, mm-hmm. interesting, dynamic mm-hmm. fucking things now because mm-hmm. yeah, I had to figure out like who am I? And yeah. it's kind of this experience of being like an adult child again. Totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, the wonder uh, and adventure yeah. in life has come back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, though, for me and my experience, I do still have trigger moments Mm -hmm. in certain things, especially going back to, you know, I don't live in the city any longer where I where I spent most of my days drinking and that whole scene where a lot of my friendships were rooted in drinking and alcohol and all of that. Like I was in the restaurant industry. I was in the wine industry, you know, like all of that. I mean, it was it's the center of everything. Yeah. And so now, you know, sometimes when I do go out to the club or um, a bar or even some restaurants or hang around people that are drinking, it's really hard for me. And I do tend to not go to those places unless, honestly, Jess, like, unless it's with, like, you or someone like you that I, that I, like, have an an ally with me that is sober. Like, I'm, I'm still at that point where... Yeah, there are things that definitely trigger me and and moments and even certain parts of the city, you know, reminiscing on on those on those times in my life. It's still kind of painful in some ways. Um, Yeah, and I don't know when that will go away. And I think there's some other correlations that go along with that, like with with the illness and everything, because that was just everything coincide getting sober and getting ill and also losing a lot of my life. So a lot of yeah. those pain points are, are intertwined together. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, sobriety. It's it's a messy, tricky, complicated, nuanced subject. That's the thing. I don't want to skip over. And, you know, we kind of shared about the before, yeah. the mock of it, and yeah. then kind of like the after. Right. I just want to remind anybody listening that like there's a whole lot of in between. Yeah. Like the first year of sobriety was there were liberating moments and I look back at it actually now as like one of the best times of my entire fucking life because mm. I was coming alive. Mm-hmm. Um but 
it was also really hard. Like, mm-hmm. reading back through my journals, like, I was questioning everything. Like, yeah. I was wondering why I was alive at times, yeah. you know, because it was just so painful coming alive. Yeah. So, and it takes a lot of diligence and it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of commitment to the process mm-hmm. and realizing that like, it really does get better. That You have to be able to sit in the shit. That's another yeah. part that I love about sobriety is yeah. like, you have, you literally train yourself how to sit in the shit and watch it pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's the crux of it is there is no easy way out like it's just through and that process of through there's no there's no date and time stamp on when that ends you know it really fluctuates on who you know it really changes person to person and yeah I mean that could be an entire subject in and of itself you know, and I guess we just really wanted today talk about the different, well, two different aspects to sobriety, you know, and that getting sober doesn't necessarily mean that you need to identify yourself as an alcoholic. Um, and sometimes getting sober is meaning that you identify yourself as an alcoholic and knowing that there is, light at the end of the tunnel either and way. yeah either way right and that it is a difficult journey and it's okay to have your own definition your own path your own um experience in your journey with sobriety and alcohol and alcohol and if it works for you or not right right yeah and we just wanted to come on and share our two experiences Yeah, I'm having a trippy experience right now. I just had a moment of like self-awareness and I just can't believe I'm able to have this conversation. Mm. So I will say to anyone listening who's like really in the shit um, and really at a loss for what their life, what's happening with their life, Mm -hmm. there is a way. Mm-hmm. And there is hope. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even begin to explain in words the gratitude that I feel that I'm alive mm-hmm. and able to sit here across from my beautiful friend talking about mm-hmm. sobriety. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for opening up and sharing all of the your journey. You Because it's been a big one. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. What are some resources? Do you have any resources that you love and have really helped you over the years? Yeah, so I worked for this woman, Holly Whitaker. Um, She runs Hip Sobriety and now The Temper. Um, So Hip Sobriety is this really cool, like, online platform um, for getting sober. And she's super committed to inclusivity. she uh, is um, just a fucking badass. <laughs> Check her out, hipsobriety.com. And then she also just started this new project called The Temper. And it's basically like a lifestyle um, blog and website. 
um, all devoted to different topics around sobriety. Mm. And it's really fun. And it's really cool to have a fucking media outlet that's not... Um, you know, some of the bigger names in the sober world that are basically mm-hmm. just white, older men. Yeah. It's really fun to to read some stuff that's just, like, from other normal fucking humans who just yep. don't drink alcohol like you. Yep. Yeah, I love Holly's <laughs> stuff. I got turned on to her through Jess and another friend, and, um, yeah, I, I just... In the full body, like, fuck yeah, every time I read anything from her, it's just, it's incredible. She's such an, a huge support. Home podcast. I remember listening, so that's Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan. Laura McCowan's also another beautiful voice in the sober, like, sober community. But they did a podcast together that's no more. I think there's, like, three seasons or something, though. Mm-hmm. But Home Podcast was, like, my fucking beacon of light when I first got sober and I didn't know where to turn. Like, I felt like there were no resources or voices that sounded like mine Mm. out there and so to hear a podcast of two really cool hip successful badass women who happen to be sober was really empowering and showed me that yeah I didn't have to look like the other the the alcoholics that are portrayed in the media yeah um and then I will say there's a lot of controversy controversy around 12-step AA it saved my life. Wow. It's, you know, there's a lot of things, and as you build your own sobriety tool belt or whatever, you know, you'll find your way, and I actually don't go to 12-step anymore. Like, I'll go maybe once a month if I'm just feeling it. I used to go almost every day for, like, my first year of sobriety, and I had a sponsor, and I worked the steps, like, all of the things. Um, It's really a place where if you can take what you like and leave the rest it can be a really um safe option if you're really just in the place where you're just trying to fucking live Mm. it's free there's a meeting almost every hour wherever you are like if you google your city and aa there's like constantly meetings um so i would say don't knock aa until you've tried it and that's for, you know, all my big A alcoholics out there. But Kayla, what are what are some resources that have worked for you as someone who doesn't necessarily identify as an alcoholic? Like what are some some things that feel good for you as you're navigating your sobriety? Yeah. Um well recently through knowing about Holly, her work has been like really resonant and just like, fuck yes, it helps to normalize my experience. Um, and honestly, for me, it was just working through therapy, um, one-on-one therapy and, um, talking with friends who are sober, um, and those are my outlets. I don't have, yeah, I never went through any, yeah, yeah. I never went through any program or anything like that. I think just because my entry point into getting sober was through illness. And so that was my big main focus. And through illness, I was, you know, looking at things through a totally different lens. Um, but now that, you know, that fight is 
not so much on the forefront, like hanging out with people, finding communities of people that are sober. That's huge. Yeah, is is really huge. And I've been so fucking blessed with the people that are in my life. And I think about that now, like looking around, I would say most of my friends, like 80% of them are sober. Yeah. And I don't know how in the world I got so lucky to have that happen, but I really did. And I feel so thankful for that because I don't know, I think I would feel really isolated and alone without that. And I, I am so profoundly grateful for that experience. And, um, yeah. And you guys, I will say too, it's kind of fun. Like Kayla and I are both really lucky. We both have a lot of sober community around around us and people who are also down to hang sans alcohol. Yes. But yeah. if you're in a situation where you don't, um, I would say two things. One, I would say you might be shocked at if you express a desire to try something new at how other people around you might also respond mm-hmm. is one. And then two, it's kind of fun to be the sober friend sometimes because you get invited to some really cool shit. <laughs> like you're going to be the one that gets invited to the like unusual sober thing that's happening versus the friend that's like just getting invited out to the bar mm. like every other night. Yes. So are there meetups? Like is there anything on meetup that has like yes. more like social yes. sober meetings and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah, if you yeah, if you google like sobriety meetup wherever mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's stuff there for sure. Cool. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. like if you guys know that you have this one sober friend, mm-hmm. maybe reach out. And I know that for me, I'm totally not not offended at all. In fact, I'm often flattered when people reach out to me being like, "Hey, I'm kind of struggling with my relationship with alcohol. Like, would you be down to chat? Like, I am so blessed to be in this position that I'm in that I'm always humbled to share my experience and mm. offer support to someone who's also considering taking the leap into beautiful sober land. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, I feel, I mean, I learned things from you today and more of your story and thank you for sharing and opening up and um being here yeah always yeah you too thanks yeah we're lucky yes (laughs) (laughs) well we'll probably touch on sobriety more at some point guys um let us know if you have any questions feedback where your sober friends yes Um, and yeah, this is community here. We really want to, you know, make community from this podcast and um, and open up conversations. So let's have them. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, All right. Okay.